Two retired detectives That were in the thick of New York crime Fast and hectic They got some stories And some jokes Even an interview With the most powerful folks Off the cuff Off the cuff One episode Just saying enough Get a little laughter And an interview too the best thing you can do Hello everyone and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories and I'm your host Bill Cannon a retired Ozai, 27-year veteran of the NYPD. And with me tonight, uh, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi. How you doing tonight, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. Last night, across the pond, tonight, British Columbia, there's nobody out there that can't say that we're not all over the map, literally. You know, it's like it's like the old wide world of sports, crossing the globe to all yeah. these exotic places. And uh, we have a really exciting guest tonight. And um, she goes by the name Oracle Laura. So at least we know her first name, Laura. But, you know, I looked it up, an Oracle. An Oracle basically is is a medium and someone that can make predictions and someone that is very intuitive. Uh, I don't have the exact Webster's definition in front of me, but Oracle Laura is all those things. In fact, she has a, quite an eclectic lifestyle. And life, she's been an actress. She's... Uh, Worked with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. You get to wear one of those red jackets too and jump on the horse when you do that, Oracle. Oracle Laura. I wish. <laughs> haven't had that offer yet, but that would you be have, nice. <laughs> you haven't had that offer. You know, people are excited because whenever we bring on a medium, of course, there's people that uh, don't believe in it. And then people, I'm sure you've heard people claim that what you do is of the devil. You Have you heard that before? it all i've heard um people call me an angel devil superhero people who say i should be helping people who say i shouldn't be helping so i sort of get a it all depends on the people i get sort of a mix i would say yeah. overall overall the percentage is good it's sort of on my end more people are are approving of what i'm doing which is good well i mean if you, if you use it and i know you do you use it for good purposes uh it's, you know, how can people really criticize you? You know, I think that yeah. they got to accept that what you're doing is you're doing it for the good of mankind and not uh, for bad purposes. I mean, you look, the most famous medium is that Long Island medium that has her own TV show. And it, she's gotten a lot of play probably across the globe. Now, one of the things is you, what I want to know about you is that when did you first realize that you had this special gift? I tried to get the exact age, but I know it was um, before I was four, before my parents separated. So I believe I was closer to one and a half to two years old at the time. Um, I just noticed a pattern. I noticed I was thinking about something and then it would happen. And I asked my father about it and he goes, well, that's called psychic. You're psychic and you get it from me and you get it from my mom. My mom was psychic. And so I later learned that my mom also had it on her end. So I sort of got it from both parents. 
Uh, but it was it was interesting to learn about it at such a young age. And I remember thinking it was normal then. Everyone had it. <laughs> and I went to school assuming it was okay to tell everybody. Apparently it wasn't okay. <laughs> so, well, give me an example. But wouldn't something like that be a little scary for someone to have that they got a premonition on something and then it came true? Wouldn't that be a little uh, scary to most people? I suppose. I don't remember feeling scared, but I guess I was really curious, and that's why I asked my dad. I was wondering, what's up with this? What is this? And, but uh, it wasn't really scary until people didn't accept it. You know, when, when I went to school, and I told people, and I thought they all had it. And then I started to realize I shouldn't talk about it. And so I, I kept it more secret from that moment on until I started dating and then my friends and, and men I was dating, they started to notice that I was very psychic. So then it all came out again. Um, so I was a little bit timid about it because of that, because of it not being so common and not talked about. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Phil. I, I was just going to say, Laura, could you be a little more specific about when you're, you're, you're referring to it as it, you were like four years old and you went to your father. What exactly was it that you um, felt or saw that made you even question it with your dad? Could you be a little specific? I don't remember the ones from when I was that age, okay. what I was noticing, predicting, but I do know that when I was going to school, I was having dreams or thinking about something that would happen at school and it would be um, something, you know, not normal, like not something that would regularly happen at school every day. And I would tell my classmates about it. And then it would happen that day at school. And I started to notice that happened quite regularly. I would say, you know, predict that we'd be going to a field trip to a certain location. And then the teacher would announce it to class. Guess what? Everybody were going here. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just had a dream about that. And so those were things that were not, um, they weren't about homicides. I didn't, luckily... I believe the universe, that's what I call it, I believe the universe sort of protects us in a way. They didn't really have me dreaming traumatic murders until I was old enough to understand and handle that. So those didn't start until I was a teenager. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to get to that. That's why we're moving slowly, but we're going to watch a little bit of this for a second. Hi, my name is Oracle Laura. You may also know me as Laura King. I'm a psychic detective. I work with the police and missing persons. I'm also a medium. The dead come to me in spirit before they die. You may have seen me on TV or heard me on the radio. I can also be found on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and OracleLaura.com. I'm a spiritual advisor, life coach, healer, and business consultant. Give me a call or visit me at OracleLaura.com. Laura, that's an awful lot of hats to wear. You know, <laughs> I do uh, I do police off the cuff real crime stories, and I do a show in the daytime called Coffee with Cannon. And lately, I've been calling it Bitching with Bill because that's all I do when I get on the show. You know, <laughs> that's a new one. And, I like uh, that. <laughs> that's a new one. Yeah, because people go, "All you do is rant." All right, I'll rename the show Bitching with Bill. You know, but <laughs> that's a hell of a lot of things to do. I mean, to understand and to be able to do. And we're going to get into the practical um, things that you do with this. But, I mean, life coach, um, 
what, what, what is, let me just ask you, what is your educational background? My education is only high school. I was going to get my PhD, but I just got so busy. I actually never had a chance to go back to school and get that. So I, I just have my grade 12, believe it or not. Wow. So, but you, you've acquired all this knowledge through basically life training into, in this field of being a medium and, and, you know, one of the things that I noticed in the, in the video was that some of the things you get, you, you get information from the dead. And I would think many people in the chat find that very interesting. So could you explain that to us? I always try to understand who's sending me the dreams, who's sending me those messages. And I've come to the conclusion that it's actually more so from that dead person themselves. They're able to see me in, um, in their realm, in their dimension, and they're able to reach out to me and, and get my help. So, for example, when I have a dream, um, that person will come to me in the future. So it hasn't yet happened. So I call myself a bit of a time traveler in, in that regard. I'm able to go into the future and I'm able to see and be shown exactly what happens in a case before it actually happens in our time in the present. So that's why, you know, I'll post it when I wake up and then it happens whether weeks later or months later, it'll occur exactly as I was shown. And the great thing about my dreams, and and even when I'm awake, it happens when I'm awake as well, the spirit of that person is actually able to tell me details. And I'm able, it's almost lucid. I don't know if you understand lucid dreams, but I'm able to control what's going on by asking them questions. So I'll ask them, who killed you? Uh, where does he live? What's his name? Tell me your name. And I'll be actually, I've been shown license plate numbers, phone numbers, addresses, where their bodies are, the city it's going to occur in. I've given details that no one else can get at that time. And that's what really makes me grateful. I'm really happy that I'm able to get specific information from them that might help solve the case. You know, uh, Laura, I want to ask you a specific question. And all the people that are listening, um, my partner, Phil Grimaldi here, we've uh, been on the Summer Wells case since the very beginning. And it's a, it's a baffling case because there was such a small window of opportunity if someone actually did take this young girl. There was yeah. such a small window of opportunity for them to have done that. And the search... The extensive searches that have been done, uh, Equus search from the Midwest, uh, the police, the FBI, there's been extensive searches all over Hawkins County in Tennessee. And just recently, yesterday, uh, 150 or more police searched another area of that of uh, Hawkins County looking for summer wells. Do you get any strong feelings of what may have happened to summer wells? I'm going to be honest because that's the only thing I can ever be. And I didn't even know who she was. So when I knew that you might be asking me about her, I decided to see what I could sense about who she was. And I, I call it um, 
not feeding the psychic. So I don't like to be fed information. So I purposely first decided to sense what I felt about her and then research her missing case after. So I did that within the first few minutes of each other. The first thing I did was I sensed that she was blonde and I sensed that she was had a, there was a disagreement. There was some kind of, not like a fight fight, but there was an argument and a disagreement prior and she wandered and then someone took her and I was shown a vision that she was taken from her home. I was shown that uh, he left behind three things. He left behind a cigarette that had the brown paper on the filter. So it has a, what do they call it, tipping paper it's called. He left a fingerprint, but it's smudged, and I know I know where the fingerprint is. And it's too smudged for forensics to be able to identify it. And he left a third item, and the third item I wasn't shown. I wasn't able to get a good enough look at what the third item was. Next, I was shown that he takes her to his home and that her body is under the house. Uh, what was the other information? Oh, toys. Toys were shown to me. And I thought it weird because I didn't know who she was. I didn't know her age. And I thought toys is odd because I, I was sort of assuming at that point that she was an older woman, like maybe, you know, teens or 20s that was taken because this man is in her home and near her bedroom. And I see the, the side table by her bed where he left the cigarette and where I know where the fingerprint is as well. And I remember thinking, what's toys got to do with it? Does he work in a toy store? And then I thought maybe it was, you know, an adult uh, type of toy. And I was told by spirit, no, toy toys. And I thought, okay, this is odd. So then I researched her and found out she was a child. And then the toys made sense at that point. Laura, do you get that she's alive? Because you didn't say whether you said you, you feel that she's not alive. Okay. And um, the trail has to be searched. What, what, what type of a toy is it that you're seeing or that you're being told? Is there a specific on the toy? He uses the toys for her. He, he uses it as... Um, to entertain her so that she's happy, he uses the toys because she's a child. That's why I didn't understand in the beginning the toys, because I thought, why is he using toys with a woman? So the, with the fact that I found out later that she was a girl, it made more sense at that point. But the thing and, is, and you feel that the the, uh, the subject that took her is a male? Yeah. You, you referred to him as he? And, yes, and but she knows. He took. He she took knows who it is. She know she knows who the person is. The mother. The mother knows now. The toy. Did he take the toy from the home when he abducted I her? I wasn't shown that. I sh I was shown that she got injured when he grabbed her. She was very severely injured by him in her home. So when he took her, she was um, still conscious, 
but not in a good way. She was very injured, and he wanted to do more to her after he took her. So I saw him throw her over his shoulder. Uh, let's see, where was he? He was, it would have been his, it would have been his right shoulder. He would have went like this. Was, was there, do you know if it was day or night when this occurred? In the home, the room had a lamp by the bed, so it looked like evening. But I wasn't shown the outside, so I, and I never like to guess. I, okay. I try not to assume and guess things. I, I go by what I'm shown and what I can sense and what I see in visions. And I wasn't shown the outside, so I can't, I can't verify that at all. Was there was there anybody else present, or did this guy act alone? He looked alone, but when I saw the, you know, when I researched her, the next thing I did is I researched the parents. I always try to rule out the parents, and I and I researched the parents, and I saw that he by herself or off this yard by when, her swing. That's um, Laura. That's the mother uh, of. Of I can say a lot about her. I know a lot about her. Well, tell us, tell us Let about it. Let it rip. Let it rip. When she was walking, being interviewed at her residence, and she was walking away from her home, she was describing how her daughter went inside. I noticed she wasn't very, she had no trouble talking about it. It was very casual. You know, like when, when your child's taken, I, I mean, I'm not trying to judge her. I'm going by just, you know, what I'm sensing. So it's not a judgment thing. But I was really surprised with, with the way she was not devastated talking about it at that moment. She was very casual. I went and did this. Then I went and did that. I went to my, you know, talked to my mom. My mom's in the trailer over here. And she went inside and played. And then later when she was being interviewed by the FBI uh, interrogators, uh, I don't remember their title, but they, they, they interview. They interview people to see if they're lying. And I noticed when they asked her, do you know who took her? She paused. Then she said no. Then she repeated the no. But I never forgot that pause. Then she complained, I don't know anymore. She complained that there was no other information. Am I still on the screen? You're on. Bill gave you the whole screen. You're still on. Oh, okay. I just wanted no, to make he gave sure. No, he gave you the whole screen. Um, because, it, because when she was being interviewed, this is very important. I need to say this. When she was being interviewed and after that pause, and then she said she didn't know anymore. I knew she knew more. That's why she was saying that. She does know more. Then she didn't want to be in the interview anymore. She got very frazzled and upset. She wanted to leave the interview. So she's trying, uh, that's called avoidance, because she's scared she's going to say something. Her husband beside her calms her down. He's overly calm as he's always been. Laura, could I just ask you a quick question? Is this an observation that you made from doing research or is this uh, a vision? Because Oh, sorry. No, this is when I watched the video okay. of, of them. I believe it was Dr. 
Phil. I was just going to say what you're describing. I was about to say yes. what you're describing is is exactly what was on Dr. Phil. Yes, exactly. Yes, and I'm read. I read photographs. I'm really good at reading people, and I'm really good at reading photographs. And so I was going by the vision. You know, I'm sorry. The what I'm seeing in the video, sure, I'm sure. going by what I'm picking up from that. By the way, that was giant red flags for me and Bill as well when we watched that interview. So, uh, and I was trying not to judge them, like the parents. You know, if they're if they're innocent, you know, because I'm seeing that other man. You know, if they're innocent, I, I'm trying not to judge them, but I'm going by what I'm seeing, and it's not looking good. And I can see why there's speculation about them. And I really want that trail searched. The trail that the father, this is another, this is another red flag. He says he didn't know that trail existed. I grew up on rural property. We had five acres at the beginning, but it looked like 10. And then we had 80 acres. I knew every trail. I find it really odd that he didn't know that trail so close to the house existed. And I think they should interview the neighbor again interview the grandmother her mother the mother's mother yes and i think the mum will crack yeah bill, bill and i have I been think on she's that. protecting somebody i think the mother is protecting somebody whether it's herself or the man she's protecting someone she knows and i think she'll crack bill and i have been of that uh same uh, feeling and same opinion right from the beginning that there's more to be told on the mother. We felt that probably both of them have some uh, explaining to do with regard to the missing child. Um, but I just wanted to get back to what you saw with regard to this person throwing her over the shoulder. Now, sure. um, was there anything more like, was there, um, was that the extent of it? It sounds like it was just a brief, vision or whatever you call it. I don't know if you call it a vision, but it sounds like it was brief or was there when she was injured, can you describe the injury? What was going on in the background with their noise? She was at the far end of the room at the far right corner is where he left the items. And the disturbance with her happened at that end of the room i it looks like a bedroom is what i saw and when she was injured it was in several areas i would say it was more her abdomen more her stomach more her torso area is where i saw the injuries but she was unconscious so there could have been a head injury as well so Laura, what you what what you're saying is what um, many people have said. Uh, from the very beginning of this, I didn't like uh, Don or Candace. I felt that they both knew much more than they were saying about this. I feel that Candace, like you do, Candace knows exactly what happened. The little I, I believe so. And what people are thinking now, because it's been six months, she went missing June fifteenth. Oh, I but didn't even look at the date. Yeah, it's oh, been si is, it's been six a months. Time. Yeah, it's a so I mean most people don't believe that she uh, will be found alive. Uh, however, I saw her that, buried. He keeps her under the house, buried, so that she can be close to him. 
So I, I know she's not. If she was, if I'm wrong, I'm going to be so surprised because I'm, police say I have a really good track record. I'm rarely ever wrong. My boyfriend's always hated it. No one plays sports with me. No one bets with me anymore. I always win. Like, I'm rarely wrong and I'm not speaking from ego. So I'm saying I'm going to be so surprised if she's alive. Laura, I just got to make a couple of points because there's information that we know about um, the, the home location. Now, um, and Bill and I have really digested this whole scenario pretty good. We actually had somebody on that was present at the home location doing the search and they gave us a real insight to, you know, they described it really well. And then we saw videos of it, but you know, when you're describing an abduction, we're a little skeptical about that. And I'm, I'm a skeptic with regard to psychics and mediums to begin with. And I'm going to be very upfront with you. Now, I'm not saying you per se, I'm just saying in general, of course, there are a lot of people that claim to be psychics and were found to be phonies or whatever. Now I'm not, attacking your credibility or anything. I see that you have a lot of uh, wonderful things, life coach and, you know, all these other things that you, that you do. And, you know, anybody that would describe that as evil or a devil, I think is pretty foolish because those are, you know, some very nice things that you do. And I don't question your ability. I believe in the fact that people do have these abilities, but there was um, like 13 dogs on the property. And I know, we're skeptical about what the family is telling us. Now the family exactly. is that she was abducted uh, just before six 30 on the, the, I think it was the, what was it? The 27th of June bill. I'm not sure of the exact date, but no, it was the, it was the 15th, the 15th. 15th. Okay. But it was, it was six 30 PM where it was still light out. Uh, and with the 13 dogs, even if it was someone that was friendly to, the family or knew them, the dogs probably would have been barking. So I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to grasp what your vision is telling us. That's why I asked you if it was day or night, because maybe they're not being truthful about when she was last seen or she might've been left alone or something like that. So that's why I was asking if there was any, any, uh, you know, anything happened in the background or anything like that. I, I can say one thing about that. I was not shown his face. And that's not normal. I always get a description of a person who's a committing a crime. I'm always shown their face. I can describe their. I've had some where I I sketch like a sketch artist. I'll sketch out the person's face. I I'm all I'm actually very surprised. I'm not shown his face, and I believe there's a reason why. Uh, uh, did you see what he was wearing? Like his clothes? I just saw or... that he was tall and he threw her over his shoulder to take her outside. That's it. And then I noticed that's all I was shown. I wasn't shown him going outside to a vehicle and being shown his getaway car, the license plate, a company logo on the side. I'm shown such detail. I find it very odd that that was all I was shown. As soon as he gets to the door... The vision ends. But was was that was there? Uh, did you see what kind of a shirt he was wearing or a no. jacket? No. No. The focus was more on what was happening and the evidence he left behind. Okay. Uh, Jean Darkus from the chat. She's saying, "I've never believed anything happened on that property, or that child was taken from that property. I have always believed that baby never made it home that day, and the mother knows." 
you know, we had we had thought that, but then we had, uh, I believe, some confirmation yeah. from the investigators that she, in fact, did make it home that day. And I was, uh, Gene Dawkins, I was believing the same thing as you were till I was corrected by the actual investigators we, we both on the were, case. Though. We both thought yeah, that. that she, in fact, did make it home. So, um, Laura, one of the things is, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this this group, uh, Equus Search. There are a bunch of... Um, civilians that go all over the country searching for missing children and they're unbelievable people and they were brought in twice to search for summer wells and most recently about a month or two ago they searched the whole area that you're referring to that path with drones and people and dogs and all of that stuff and at some point the scent of the dogs um went to the where a car where the car could go, couldn't go any further. And that's where the trail ended. That's where the dog's uh, scent ended. They so, described it as like the end of the driveway, Bill, is what uh, right. Dave Rader had said when he was on the show. But Dave Rader, who was from Midwest Equisearch, he felt that uh, there was, that with the time frame, that there was no way she was uh, kidnapped. That, that it was too small a window of time for that to have happened. So, I mean, this is not an easy case, obviously. But, uh, you know, the longer this goes on, uh, the more I think, and I, I, you know, I didn't think she could have been taken either, but the more I'm thinking that that possibility, in fact, exists. If I may. Go ahead. I would like, I would like to say that... What I'm trying to hint at is my vision did not show her being removed from the property. Okay. It might not be an abductor. And I don't want to assume, like I say, I, when, I, when I'm working on, I've worked on hundreds and hundreds of, of cases with police, and I never, as a rule, I never, ever try to guess. I never try to assume. I don't want to assume that that's a, that that's an abductor, that it's a stranger. I don't want to assume it's her father. But I was not shown his face, and I was not shown her removed from the property. But you, you, what you're saying is that she was. You think it was her bedroom that she was removed from, or no? Oh, I know it was. I know it was. Okay, her so bedroom. so it was her bedroom, and it was. At the home, but you're saying maybe she wasn't removed from the property. Is that what I'm getting? Do you know if the father smokes? I want to rule him out. I'm not 100 percent sure, but if I had a guess, I would say he probably is. But I, I obviously that brown, that I, I, I've brown never seen. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen him smoking in any video or anything like that. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Because that that. What I, what I experience over, I've been doing this for, I don't know, 37 years now. Uh, the first case I worked with police was, uh, it was, I was 18 at the time. And I've learned that every single thing I'm shown means something in the end. So when I wake up, say from a dream, I have to make sure I write down every single detail everything and not assume that it means nothing you know the cat was orange and i i might not write it down i might not post about that i've learned i have to post that everything eventually comes true and everything meant something 
So I think that cigarette means something. I think the third thing he left means something. I believe the toys is significant, the smudged fingerprint, and her being under the house, and that trail is interesting. So if it was me searching the property, I find dead bodies all the time. I'd be searching that trail to rule out whether she was buried at that trail or whether she's under their house. Do you, do you know what the third item is that was left behind or you don't know? I wasn't shown it. I just okay. know there's a third item. I was so focused on that cigarette. It was, um, is it called beveled when, you know, like those glass ashtrays that are sort of sharp edged. They're all sort of like crystal. Yeah. It, this, the cigarette was there in that kind of an ashtray. It was clear glass and it was that kind of a cut, sort of like that crystal kind of a, a ashtray. And it was on a either one drawer or two drawer side, you know, those little side tables beside the bed, little bedside table where you put your lamp on it. That's where the cigarette ashtray was. And there was a lamp lit. And that's why I say, you know, it's like what the room I'm in right now. It was like dim. Um, Karen Greer Eccles from the chat says that both Candace and Don both smoke. So I've, I've never, I don't think I've seen them smoking on video, but. Uh, I, I think there was a. That's, an, that's another sign. They were stressed. They'd be smoking. The fact that they're not smoking, even on camera. I think they, they made mention of cigarettes or something. I'm remembering that through all of the research that we Yeah, actually, Don went out late one night to get her cigarettes, and I think that's when he got grabbed for DWI. That's it. That's Let's it. Let's find out what kind of, what brand they were. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, going back a little bit to what Bill was saying, um, we pretty much didn't think we kind of ruled out an abduction. We didn't think she came back. I'm talking about early on. We didn't think she came back to the home. Then when we got the information that, yeah, there was almost 100% confirmation that she did return to the home that day, the window closed, the window of opportunity that she was either uh, abducted or something happened to her or she wandered off. It, it became a very narrow window. Now, Candace, from her testimony, or I wouldn't say I shouldn't say testimony, from her statements, she says she only had eyes off Candace for a couple of minutes, uh, eyes off Summer for a couple of minutes. So that is really narrowing it. And I just feel like if that is all true, if what we believe to be true is what they're telling us, that it was only a couple of minutes, the the mother's trailer, which which was only like 20 yards away from their home or less uh, that she walked her to the home that uh, someone went into the house. Uh, she walked back to her mother's trailer. Then she went back to the home and asked her, her son's whiz summer. And they said, she's in the basement. She yelled, hollered down in the basement, uh, no response. And then that's when they discovered her missing and she called her husband. So I just feel like if that is all true, it's a very, very short window for an abduction. So now what you're saying if it is someone known to them, even possibly uh, the husband, Don, then that possibly could make sense. I have a question. Please. I did not see her say that. Did you have footage of her saying, I only had my eyes off her for a minute? Um, it's. It, I think she says a couple of minutes. I, you have to. That con that contradicts what she just said about how she went missing on her own from the house. What does she mean? She just 
kept her eyes off her for a couple of minutes. The, the statements that she made were that she came home from, they had been out the whole day. They had gone to the watering hole. They had gone to the emergency room with the mother, uh, uh, Candace's mother, that they stopped at a drugstore to pick up, pick up a prescription. They stopped at another store to buy uh, these uh, alcoholic beverages. They went to the watering hole. Then they came home and then they were uh, playing in the yard and they were planting flowers by the mother's trailer. So they uh, went out and bought alcohol the day that their daughter, this all happened? The, yeah, they 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 went to uh, uh, Twisted Tea, I believe it was. So And then they, they were in the company of another child, a 15-year-old, and the statements about the twisted tea came from him. She denies it. But uh, if you look at the whole story, uh, that's the, the, the general scenario of what she says took place, that they came back to the house and that she was planting flowers with her daughter and her mom and that she walked her back to the home. And, you know, which it's a short distance. They're comfortable on the property. Why did she walk her back? That's a little strange to me. That's suspicious. And then she goes into the house and she immediately within a minute or two goes back to the house and says, where, you know, ask the brothers, where's Summer? Uh, and they said she went downstairs to play. She, so she goes and checks on her. It all sounds just a little bit odd. I, I don't believe that those things occurred. Uh, that's checking on it right away and all of that, you know. You know, uh, Laura and and Phil, let me play a little bit of this and just to get uh, an this idea. This might be uh, a little bit better for you, Laura, to understand. By her swing, I feel in my heart that somebody has came up here and took her, has lured her away from here. The parents of missing five-year-old Summer Wells saying they never thought she was in the woods near their home, but that they believe she was abducted. Search crews combing through nearly five square miles around the Wells' home. I have to do one step at a time, I guess, but I'm sorry that they had to spend so many man hours in these woods and everything. I've seen them limping and everything else, you know, and I feel for them. Summer, not the first girl to go missing in her family. When my sister came missing, I was in between Arkansas and Tennessee. I don't know all of what happened or what did happen, but I hope that they find her too. When you see cases like that, that's why I lose hope on summer. You know, I want to keep hope, but sometimes I just, I, I, I just, I lose hope. Fear beginning to spread through the Wells' home as Summer remains missing. And then it really bothers me to find out that we've had sex offenders living within eight minutes of my house. Keep a close watch on your kids. Yes. Hey, Bill, if you go back to the, the beginning of the video, I think they wish you'll catch when she says America about if it just a couple of minutes. A little before, yeah, a little before we started. I know she didn't walk away from this property by herself or off this yard by her swing. I feel in my heart that somebody has came up here and took her, has lured her away from here. The parents. That's that's a little bit uh, different video than the original one, but you She's can see. too many theories, and we all know that they do that with police. You're not supposed to be telling the police what you think happened. No, you know, look, we found 
their interviews ridiculous in the beginning yeah. of this. I still yeah. find them ridiculous. Her eyes to the left when she said, I don't know what happened. I don't remember what happened. She went like this. We all know what that means, too. And, and they were very, in their opinions about what they thought happened, they were very convinced about it. Yeah. Which to me, nobody knew. We still don't know till this very minute, you know. So how do you know, you know? And exactly. it, listen, I think that their um, their interviews in the early stages of this investigation were critical to finding out what happened. And the minute there was an inconsistency, they needed to they really needed to dig down on that. And that's what I would have did if I was the case detective. If no, I was a parent, I'd be going everywhere looking for her. I would be angry. I'd be yelling at the police, help find her. I'd be hiring private investigators. Of I'd be course. going out of my way. They seem way too calm. You're 100% correct. Laura, Joe Murray. Thank you, Joe, for the 999 Super Chat. Joe Murray is a defense attorney who's a friend of our show. He wants to ask you this question. Laura, as a criminal defense attorney, I often rely on my creative side to perceive people as just being merely allegedly guilty. Can you identify a case that you solved? I really want to believe you. If you go to my LinkedIn or to my Facebook and you go to my, on LinkedIn, it's under my articles and on Facebook, it's at the top of my page as a pinned post. It says psychic predictions. If you look at all those, those are all ones that I predicted that all came true after I posted them. Okay. Um, I, I got a quick question. Maybe you could just uh, explain the difference. You mentioned being psychic and you mentioned being a medium. I don't know what the difference between the two are. Is there a uh, specific difference on those two? Yes. Um, a psychic is able to sense and predict things, whereas a medium actually is contacted and can communicate with the dead. Okay. So I have both, which, again, I didn't realize as a child was rare. Apparently, it's very rare. You know, with this with this case, there's a lot of, um, as investigators, Phil and I, uh, spending a lot of years with the NYPD, Phil uh, in intelligence division, and he also worked in the 6-0 squad. I was in the homicide for for 10 years and when you when you interview people and they speak like both candace and don it doesn't allow you to really to believe what they're saying because both the way they speak and the manner they speak leads you to believe that they're being deceptive in this case i don't know if you know that they allegedly uh, both passed the lie detector test which i don't hold any credence in whatsoever. Uh, to me, lie detectors are good detectives and they can detect lies. That machine doesn't really uh, do it for me. I got to make one quick statement about that, Bill. Each time they did interviews, they looked like they were on some type of narcotic or, or, or drinking or drunk or high of some sort. So the, the minute you enlist uh, a polygraph and you have that type of uh, you know uh, substance in you, it doesn't work. So all, all your reactions are the same when you're high or when you're drunk or when you have narcotics in your system. So, and they appear, you know, I, I think almost every time they've been uh, on camera publicly uh, making statements, they appear to be high. So right there, that's, it's, it's, that holds no weight at all with me. 
I have to but, say that I've noticed um, I'm able to people people wonder why they're able to tell me their life story. I'll have complete strangers walk up to me and say everything about their life. Um, I've had people where they tell me something and they say, I can't believe I told you that. I've never told anyone that. You're so easy to talk to. I feel like I can tell you anything. I seem to have this built-in lie detector, almost like you know Wonder Woman's le truth lasso. I'm able to make people confess to me and tell me the truth. Even if they're lying, they'll tell me the truth through their lies. I'm able to make people tell the truth. If she sat down with me, that mother, I know I could get her to crack. Now, to say something back, just back a little bit, you're asking me about mediumship, how it's different from psychic. And your 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 lawyer friend was asking um, me to verify my credibility. Gabby Petito, that, if I'm saying her last name right. Yes. Gabby told me in spirit. I knew she was dead long before anybody did, but Gabby told me, and I posted it online before it happened. She said in October, Brian's going to be found dead. His body's going to be found in October. And it was. And luckily I posted that she said that. And he can see that if he goes to my page, he can find that. I even knew that he'd be found by a river, that he had a gun. I, I knew all that stuff. I knew that he took, he left behind uh, his phone. I knew that he took her ID. Like I, I have all that posted on my page and he can find that if he just types in um, Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry, he'll find all that information. But the fact that she was able to tell me that in spirit when she was dead, I find is wonderful. You know, like I'm glad that I could have got that out, that he would be found in October. You know, Laura, I just want to, we'll get back to that. I Before we're going to, we're going to take a quick break in a minute or so, but I wanted this lady, Beth Baugh, I think that's correct in her pronunciation of her name. Uh, she's referring to you. She said, the lady on here said she, she's under someone's house close by. Is could it be she's under uh, the Wells's house, or is it someone else's house that she's under? That's what I want to rule out. I was shown that the man who took her body buried her under the house, and it was on the front of the house on the left. So if you go to the house and you go to the left, if you dug there, that's where her body is. And he wanted her to remain close to the home so he could feel that she was still with him. So it could be under the parents' house, but it's whoever took that body, he's the one who buried her. Interesting. Uh, Laura, we're going we're gonna to go to a very quick break, and we'll come right back. Uh, keep that thought. Uh, Bill, let me just get your... Um... Cue it up, baby. Uh -huh. This is our, our, our lawyer. <laughs> Joe Murray, friend. attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of defense. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray.com. Dashlaw.com. Good man, Joe Murray. For sure. You know, Laura, we you were speaking a little bit about the Gabby Petito case, and we yeah, we were on that, that case. 
uh, pretty much from the beginning. And th that that case just captured um, everyone's heart, and not just nationally, but internationally. People looking at that case and all the things that that went wrong, and maybe some of the things that could have maybe went right. And you know, we were highly critical uh, of the attorney for the uh, uh, the laundry family, um, Stephen Bertolino, who was from Long Island, and he was advising them from you know to 2000 miles away and never maybe thought of, of the possibility that Brian Laundrie could have, or was going to commit suicide. And we, we questioned that. Why would a lawyer counsel someone and not actually be with those people? And we felt that that was a, uh, a huge mistake and maybe he could have prevented Brian's suicide, if in fact it was a suicide, because um, the the anthropologist on the case, and um, because only bones were found and parts of his skull, and there was, I'm sure there was ballistic evidence in the skull, but yet they can't prove definitively that he pulled the trigger. You know, they they just know it was a close contact wound. There was a gunshot wound to his skull. But that still doesn't say that his hands and his arms were never recovered. So that still doesn't say that he, in fact, committed suicide. What do you feel from the spirits in regards to that? Do you think he did commit suicide? Well, I posted um, his death. So I believe I know how he died. Um, he... He wouldn't have had all those items with him, the survival gear, if he intended the suicide from the beginning. Uh, I know where he wanted to go, where he wanted to flee. And I always thought it odd that his parents knew where his body was. Um, I thought it odd that they would go camping with him. I know that he brought shame to the family it's still a possibility. It might not be, but it's still a possibility that he might be behind um, Crystal and Kylan's death. And, uh, and that Gabby. Laura, you said that you got a vision from Gabby. Can you tell us anything about what happened to her, how she met her demise? So, when I came across the case, I was on YouTube looking at crime documentaries, and I came across a video of a missing of missing girl, and I, I came across that one, and she was still missing at the time. And I was looking at all the comments, all these people saying they think she's alive and they hope she is. I already knew she was dead the moment I watched this. So this was long before she was even, you know, uh, her body was found. And I knew he planned it from the beginning. Uh, I knew he wanted to take the van. I knew he wanted to head back without her. He had tried a few times to lock her out, but it was more than just that. He was hoping to rid of her. He didn't want her cleaning the van because he was worried she was going to find something. Whether it was the gun or whether it was evidence of his involvement in another murder, whether it was the book about him reading, but I think she, I believe she knew she, he had that book about missing women. But he planned this from the very beginning. What he wanted to do was do a sacrificial type of sacrificial type of murder with her, 
and and then burn her body. Now I I couldn't find out whether they actually burned her. He burned her body. I I'm not sure if he did. Otherwise they would have said so. They just said she was strangled. But I know that's what he planned. He didn't. He didn't want to stay with her. This wasn't like a holiday trip from the very beginning. The last thing they should have done is given her back to him. All when I watched the video. This is the video I was watching. I should clarify. I was watching a video for missing, and they were showing what happened. Is it pronounced Moab? The yes. location of, of where they were pulled over by the police. I watched it from the beginning to the end, and I saw every red flag, everything, and I couldn't believe that they didn't see the red flags. I couldn't believe that he was laughing and grinning, chumming, friend, trying to fr be friendly with the police while she's in turmoil and she's crying, devastated. Last he thing he was over, overly cooperative. Yes. And he's bragging about the cuts on. Defensive wounds were from intimacy with her. And I'm like, no, they weren't. And he's bragging about it to try to brush it off. And they believed him. And I thought, no. So the moment she got back in the van, he knew he had to do it at that point. He knew that he couldn't, he couldn't continue this for much longer because it raised suspicion on them. Well, so, the, we believe that the murder occurred because she was seen alive up until the 27th. And that car stop that you're talking about with the body cam video from the police officers was on August the 12th. So it was 15 days later and he was, they were seen in a restaurant early on the 27th. Where he was in which raid. restaurant? Yeah, which it, restaurant? It, which restaurant? You're asking? Yeah. Um, I think it was called the something pig or something, something like that. They why, were seen having a fight outside of the location of where Kylan worked. And Isn't that true? Kylan. Does, does anyone in the chat know the name of that restaurant that they were seen in having a dispute earlier Something in the Piglet, day? Piglet, it was called. Something Piglet. You're right. You're right. It was called but, that. But who's Kylan? It's the first time I'm hearing that. The other. Oh, it's called the Mary the Piglet. The went missing. Right after. He was seen slapping her and fighting with her, with uh, Gabby, outside of where Kylin worked. Kylin and Crystal then went missing the very next day, and their bodies were found shot. So I, I know that what you're referencing, that uh, those two those two bodies, the police ruled it out as being connected to the Petito. I, I'm just telling you what the police oh, I, No, I understand. I understand. What the police said. They, they ruled it out as being connected to uh to the uh to the petito and laundry case now they they were shot i think they were they were newlyweds or something correct yes yes okay and it wasn't very close to where they were it was like 10 miles away or something like that i think where where the bodies were found they weren't or maybe even more than that i'm not sure about the exact location but i i think the police law enforcement was satisfied uh, that it wasn't connected to Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry. Now, whether no or not offense, it was, no offense, but they were also very satisfied with returning her back to Brian as well. Well, well, listen, I, I, I have to agree with that because um, I watched that video, and yes, there was some red flags that he was a little overly cooperative and stuff. But when you're dealing with a domestic violence case, um, 
you know, it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen in the future. And I think that if they, if either or both of them were arrested, they probably would have uh, rejoined because they wouldn't have been held for more than overnight anyhow. And they did make a good attempt at separating them. They made him go to a hotel. They made her go stay in the van overnight. And obviously uh, we can look at it Monday morning quarterback it now, but, and, and there was some red flags. I, Bill and I have both struggled with whether or not there should have been an arrest, obviously, because we know that we know the outcome, you know, but at the time, I think if you look at what they did, they really went above and beyond. They actually brought up on their phones, the actual statute of the law that uh, whether or not they were going to arrest someone and that he called the supervisor to the scene. So I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to knock them because I think they really gave it a lot more time than most police agencies would. Uh, in New York, it probably would have gotten a five or 10 minute attention of police and they would have been sent on their way or arrested one of the two, obviously. But so. when you may I, I'm sorry. Sure. Um, when you watch the video of when the police pulled them over and were questioning them, did you notice his body language, how he kept blocking the police from entering the van. Yeah, I, I we both commented on that. We yeah, did we notice did that. that. Yeah. yeah, it's what I kept noticing nonstop. You know, he not didn't want them in that van. He, yeah, he didn't want them in in that van either. He didn't want a gun something. or something like that. I'm sorry. Well, you know, yeah, there was probably a gun in that van, and that he yeah. didn't want. He didn't. Them he, to didn't find. he definitely didn't want them in there. That was 100. percent I I definitely picked up on that. And so did Joe. Yeah, so my, my point is, I'm surprised they didn't notice that. You, you know what? At the uh, whether they noticed it or not, they, they don't have permission to search it. They're not going to maybe go that far. It looked like a little, you know, a slap fight between two individuals. Uh, they weren't from the area. I, I don't think there was like giant red flag saying, you know, this is a heavy domestic violence case. And and even the things we're pointing out, like you said, uh, he had some scratches on him. And, and when they asked the specific questions about, they asked him about how he got the mark on his face. And he said, well, she was grabbing my arm and the cell phone hit me. And then she said she hit him in the face. So the, a lot of the, they did separate them when they uh, interviewed them, which is, you know, that's, you know, police work one-on-one in domestic violence. You separate them. They got the stories. And I think the stories were fairly consistent. They weren't, you know, one story was one way and the other story was the other way. They were almost uh, identical in, in what they were explaining. So, you know, she was having a meltdown. It looked like, you know, I'm not trying to Monday morning quarterback or second guess. I'm just trying to put myself in the situation that I would be presented with based on that video, you know? It's so how I knew she was dead. All say again? It's how I knew she was dead. When she was still just missing, I knew he killed her because of all of those things that we're talking about right now. All the things that they didn't see, and I'm not judging them. I'm not trying to say they did a terrible well, well, job. Well, listen, I, I don't mean to cut you off. And I felt that she was dead too, because I know from the facts of the case that he went back to uh, Florida Without her, he had the van and the parents had been trying, you know, to, to contact her, to contact him. They actually called the family and were asking the family because they were worried about Brian as well. And then they didn't, they didn't respond. So to me, I felt that she, uh, harm had come to and then she was dead too. So I don't think, uh, the point I'm trying to make is this, I don't think it was such a great, you know, 
uh, a great leap to say that you thought she, she was dead. Well, you know, there was a lot of uh, circumstantial evidence. We had yeah. spoke about that all the way, you know, taking the van, using her credit card, returning to Florida without her, all of those things. Refusing and, to even contact the family or, or saying yeah, we don't know where she is, anything. That was highly suspicious. Yeah, and, and all of those things are very powerful. Sherilyn Schaffner, thank you for the four ninety nine dollars uh, Super Chat. Kylan Schultz worked at the Moonflower. Thank you very much, folks. If you like this show and you like a police point of view in uh, real crime stories, you're in the right place. If you could uh, and you're not subscribed to Police Off the Cuff, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, ring that bell, and give us a thumbs up. We also have a Patreon, and we have a YouTube membership. I see all the folks that are um, uh, that in the green font that are members. Robin Buonadano, I wasn't ignoring you. Um, you asked the question, like, where was the house where the where Summer Wells's body could be found? I think she, I think Laura sort of answered that it was either their house, the Wells home, or very close to that home. Um, the other questions that Laura answered was that she feels that whoever took Summer is either in the family or known to the family. And that's that's some of the things that uh, many police are saying that also is that the person or persons that took Summer, for them to have been able to walk on that property with 13 or 23 dogs, whatever it was, they must have had some knowledge of the property and even maybe even knew the dogs so that the dogs weren't raised up when this person... Uh, entered the property are your thoughts laura 23 dogs yeah anywhere from 16 to 23 okay. dogs. having grown up on a farm i have to say this about that at least one and i'm just going to be you know gentle here at least one dog would have barked even if he was friendly with the family and everyone knew him 23 dogs, one dog is still going to bark. to 100%, Laura, 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. I don't care who was coming on that property, the person that feeds them. My dog goes crazy and barks when we come in the house, and That's there's 13 right. of them, so, or, or 16 or 23, whatever it is. I agree with you about that 100%. And maybe it wasn't unusual for them to be barking, so that doesn't mean that – that definitely means that, you know, the family should have been raised up. Maybe the dogs barked a lot at different things, a car passing or whatever. So, but I, I just can't see it's impossible for a friend or foe to come on that property and those dogs not uh, walk. And, and there's pictures. Uh, Billy had a picture of the, the, the back of the home where the, the door that led to where uh, the basement was. And there was a dog laying there on the property when, when the picture was taken. So the dogs were all over that property. And I just, I, I, I still feel in my heart of hearts that I don't, I don't believe it was a stranger and I don't believe it was a, an abduction. I still feel that it was something to do with either an accident or one of the family members Something happened and, uh, you know, they had a very short window to act. It was a couple hours at best. And uh, that that's where I think the search, you know, is taking place in an area that is within an hour or two drive away from the home within that period of time, which is obviously a, a great area. But uh, that's my feeling. Mom, I feel the mom is caught in between two people. 
I feel like she knows more. She can't say it. And she's really frustrated and struggling with that. When you look at that, that interview where she got up and left. Dr. Phil interview. Yes. A hundred percent. You see how conflicted she was at that moment. She really is stuck between protecting somebody. We're talking about your child, your loved one. And instead, I see her having to do the wife thing, the mother thing. She's having to protect somebody. She's got a crack. There was something else that happened during that interview when um, Dr. Phil said, if the person that's responsible for your daughter's disappearance is caught, what would you like to happen to that person? And she just changed the subject and she didn't answer it. So that was an avoidance. She used an avoidance. Yeah, yeah. because she's saying she knows who it is. She doesn't want to say, see, in not doing something and in even in a lie, she's speaking the truth. She's saying, in my view, this is my opinion, she is saying, I don't want to punish that person. I know this person and I don't want to harm this person. So if they're caught, no, I don't want to hurt them. And she can't say anything like that on camera. So of course she's going to change the subject. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, her, her body language as well as her regular language was, uh, it just raised so many flags with me that I just think that she was almost incapable of hiding the obvious uh, red flags that showed that she wasn't telling the truth and that she does know more than she's letting on. Michael Markakuli, thank you for the $5 super chat and thank you for the compliment. Great show. You thank know, there's, you, there's so many things, um, Laura, also that we, and we say this all the time because we've both worked uh, homicides, uh, that we're not privy to the full investigation by the case folder and what the, uh, the local police have, the FBI, the TBI, what they have in regards to this case. However, it would seem at this point they don't have a lot because they just did another search yesterday, and that had a lot to do with the vegetation being, uh, you know, gr uh, growing down because of the weather change, and they could see better in the land that has been previously searched. But they did another search, and we don't know if that was based on new information or just that the vegetation uh, was much less during during this time. If, if I could um, use another case as an example, I worked on a particular missing persons case with the police. Uh, it was a VPD. And actually, hold on. Going by that location? No, it was the RCMP at that time. It was the RCMP. And he came and, uh, Laura, that's, that's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for the folks that yeah. don't know what that those letters mean. Okay. So he asked me if I could, the man was still missing. He asked me if I knew where uh, what happened to him and where his body was. I said what led to his death. I said he is dead. And I said that he was he had gone for a walk up a steep, almost like a mountain. He had gone down a steep embankment, and his body is at the bottom of that embankment right by a river. And I, I gave him directions, and I showed him where it would be. 
he said the police have already fully searched exactly that spot. So right right there, he's verifying that I'm correct. Right, right now, I know, okay, that's definitely the location because he's saying, hey, we went to that spot. He said, there's no body there. And he was very firm with me. He's like, we've already looked. It's not there. His spirit, the missing person, his spirit came to me later. And he told me, my body is going to be found now. And it's going to be found by these the pink, when the pink blossoms bloom. So in the spring, my body is going to be found. So one day he sends me to a coffee shop. He tells me to sit at the window and look out at the street. Right across from me is this humongous Japanese cherry tree and all the blossoms are in bloom. It was beautiful. It's all pink. And he goes, now I'm going to be found. The very next day, the family found him because the police had stopped searching and the, the family insisted on continuing the search. They went to that location and guess where he was found? Down the embankment, right by the river. Right where they said they searched him, he wasn't there. And right where I said he was, that's where his body was. So you think that they weren't telling the truth or they actually searched there and they didn't find him? I, I think they searched there and they just didn't, they were at the wrong spot. I mean, I've searched for other bodies before and it was found just a few feet from where I last walked away and left and gave up because it started raining. Well, how so, long was this person missing for though? Was this person missing a while? Uh his body wasn't found until spring. I believe it went missing on, what was it, New Year's Day or something? Yeah, okay. so it was like a, maybe a month or two. What, what I was getting at was um, sometimes like what Billy was just saying about uh, Summer Welds that, you know, uh, she was missing in the summertime and everything was growing. And, you know, you have weeds that are six, seven feet, eight feet tall. And then now that the winter's coming in and it's cold, everything dies down and it's a lot easier to search. So that's what I was getting at with that. But uh, yeah. it sounds like it was uh, was probably already uh, cold and, and, and everything wasn't growing when uh, when they did the search. So they must have just missed the body if it was there, obviously. Um, CRP, thank you for the $5 super ch uh, a sticker, photo files, photography. Lara, thank you for the $199 super sticker. And I want to thank everyone in the chat tonight for being so respectful to both Phil and I and, of course, the Oracle uh, Laura. Because as you know, Laura, in dealing with um, this type, me being a medium and, and predicting a lot of people can be downright cruel sometimes yeah. in, the, in the chat. And I've seen it. Sometimes people get cruel with me just because of uh, uh -huh. things I say. But you know something, I've been shot at before, so <laughs> so I'm so still here. I. So uh, the old adage, "Sticks and stones can hurt my bones." The only thing that's going to hurt me is is lead. You know. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, you know, I, I just want to thank everyone in the chat for really listening. And you know, this is fascinating. And you know, Laura, I'll be perfectly frank too. I don't know if I'm a true believer in this. I think there's there's something to it. And my career as a homicide investigator, and I did 27 years in the NYPD, I don't recall us ever using a medium to uh, help on a case, nor do I ever re remember the NYPD using polygraph tests ever in my career. So it's I understand other departments do, but I've, I've never uh, seen it used on the NYPD. Phil? Yes. May I say well, something about skeptics? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Please do, Laura. I want to tell all your listeners to please 
be skeptical. Give a little bit of a benefit of the doubt and give an opportunity for the person to prove themselves, but never believe anybody. Never believe words. Have people prove themselves. That's what I've gone out of my way to do. That's why I post my predictions. That's why I post my dreams. I don't need to do that. I don't get paid to do that. I make nothing doing that. I do that so that I can prove myself to people so that they will believe. Never ever believe. Be a skeptic. I was skeptical. When I was having dead people contact me, I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. That's what you say you are. You're David Bowie. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's good to be skeptical and please don't stop doing that. Have doubt. Well, well, one other thing, can I ask you, why, why do people say that um, what you do is of the other side? Like people will say, oh, that's of the devil, that type of talent, being a medium as compared to, you know, being from the religious side, you know, the, being from. I, I some, some of it's fear, but also yeah. if they read that I've actually gone through the Bible. I was a Christian. My mom was Catholic. My father was Christian. Um, if you read the Bible, there's a lot in there about not being harsh on people who have the gift and to believe in it and that prophets and that he would God would give people this gift and to appreciate and respect those people who have the gift. So those people who feel it's the devil, they need to do their research. They need to, to read the scriptures in the Bible and realize, no, it, it doesn't say that at all in the Bible. It's quite the opposite. And I, like I what you said earlier, it's what you use it for. I save people's lives, and I, I respect that. I want to help people. I'm not here to harm people. I don't take advantage of my gifts. Not at all. Even if I'm buying a lottery ticket, it's to fund my work, my mission, so I can save more lives. It's not for my own gain. It's not so I can just sit by a pool and with a, you know, pina colada and not work. I'm actually helping people. Hey, what's wrong with that? <laughs> you, you know yeah. what I think happens with, with, with the people that, that are skeptical and let's say non-believers, I think what happens is their interpretation of their religion or whatever makes them feel that way. And, you know, interpretation, like uh, specifically, I'm going to use Osama bin Laden. He said that they needed to convert people to Muslims by any means necessary. And that, that in their minds, that included killing people. And, you know, when they, you can interpret that at any means necessary is, you know, going out and trying to convince people to become Muslim. So interpretation is really what I think is, is, you know, uh, it's causing people to have those feelings. But um, I do believe in like a life after death, that there's, there's an energy that, that exists when you die. And I think sometimes it's, it's, it shows its presence. I do believe in that uh, psychic ability. I'm sure that there's some, you know, uh, there's some energy there or some, something that goes on and, and like with yourself with medium, I think that there's, it's quite possible. I am skeptical of it. I'm a police officer my whole life, a detective all uh, most of my career. So, you know, we, we're really paid to be skeptical. And uh, that's Which is why I like my clients when they're skeptics and when they're cops, they make my best clients. That's for sure. <laughs> I, like to, I like to convert them to be a believer and it's great. I, I love to prove myself to them. <laughs> Glitzy Unicorn, I love that name, first of all, but you sound like you might be a medium. Thank you so much for the $5 super sticker. And again, I want to thank everyone for being so great in the uh, in the chat tonight, uh, so respectful. 
And again, if you're not um, subscribed to Police Off the Cuff, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, ring the bell, give us a thumbs up. And we're at uh, we're at an hour and 15 minutes, I wow. think. Wait, at this quick. point, it went by so fast. And yeah. uh, Laura, I want to thank you so much. And I'd like to leave it open for you to come back on in the future if you'd be interested. Uh, thank you. Thank you. You know, we barely, me. yeah, we barely scratched the surface. I'm sure of of your talents, yeah. and there's <laughs> always new cases coming up. And I think the folks that were listening tonight, I think they thoroughly enjoyed uh, what they were listening to. And you know, something it's funny with with YouTube, and uh, sometimes you say something wrong, and 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 someone will say, "I didn't like what you said. I'm unsubscribing." And there's a there's one of our fans that's always in the chat, Angie Ang, and she says. This isn't an airport. You don't have to announce your arrivals and departures. And I thought that was the greatest thing. But, you know, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and I'm not going to worry about people unsubscribing. And uh, I just wanted to put that out there. Phil, last words? Uh, quick thing. Uh, Holly Chick made a comment. She said, Phil, she did answer. She said they should be tortured. Uh, I, that might have been in one interview, but I saw another interview where she, she did avoid – that part of the question just to straighten that out. Laura, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'm skeptical. I do believe in, in life after death, as I said, and I do believe that there's obviously people that are gifted. You may be one of them. Um, it was really fascinating to go over a lot of the things that you talked about. Um, I think you were very, uh, very keen on some of the things that you talked about, like with uh, Brian Laundry, the way he, uh, uh, didn't want the police going into his van. So you're very sharp and you're very keen on that. Um, I think uh, we did a lot of cases. I would love to hear your thoughts on some of the other ones. So hopefully we'll have you back. And uh, it, it sort of went very quick and it was uh, it was a great, great episode. And uh, thank you for coming on, Laura. Thank you. Laura, uh, final words, anything you want to plug, anything you want to say before we uh, move off into the abyss? <laughs> Google me. <laughs> uh, find, find my article, The Psychic Predictions, and see the proof. See, let me prove myself to you. See, see my actual accuracy. And you can also find my website, oraclelaura.com. And my clients have also stated their, their views on, they've given me reviews of my, my accuracy, which might be helpful for people too. Well, that's great. You know, folks, on behalf of uh, myself, Bill Cannon, and Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, my co-host, Phil Grimaldi, and our wonderful guest tonight, Oracle Laura. Guys, have a great night and be safe. Phil? Stay safe, everyone. Yeah. Good night, everyone. One episode, just